gather around for the Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast. I don't know if you're listening to this, whether you're in your car, whether you're at your job, whether you're at the house, you know, cleaning up. I don't know if you're at the gym getting fit or, you know, I don't know where you're at. You're probably at Starbucks listening to this. Wherever you're at, I don't know when or where you're going to be, but I'm glad that you're here listening. Okay, this is the Theologetics Podcast. I am your host, Greg Williams Jr. Uh, I was formerly known as G. Wood Jr. For those that remember me from my previous podcast, uh, Logos Pod, uh, I have since departed from that podcast because first reason was I couldn't recover the podcast because the, the platform that I was using uh, got shut down. And I wasn't able to recover that podcast, but from what God has been in, uh, been instilling in me from, from what he wants me to give, not only to the church, but to the world, uh, uh, the, the, the reason for theologetics, we're going to actually unfold and unravel the purpose of this podcast but just to give you a brief understanding because this is going to be a introduction slash uh episode and I, and I will give you the title of this episode it's going to be an introduction slash you know what I'm going to give y'all so first just want to let y'all know a little bit about me uh, once again, my name is Greg Williams Jr., formerly known as G. Wood Jr. I have denounced that name. I am going by my name, my, my real name. Well, my real name is Gregory, but uh, you can call me Greg. So I, I go by Greg Williams Jr. Yes, I am named after my dad. All right. So he is Greg Williams Sr. And I am Greg Williams Jr. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Dad, for letting me uh, hold your name. So, uh, I'm born and raised Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, 904 Duval all day. Uh, I represent the Jacksonville Jaguars. I hope the Jaguars do something this year. I really hope they do because they did something last year, but they didn't. They, they 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 didn't finish. But I hope that they finish this year. You know. Um, but anyway, that's <laughs> that's besides the point. I uh, want people to know just a little bit about me. Uh, grew up in a Christian home. Grew up uh, in the church. Grew up knowing about the faith, but I didn't come to. I didn't come to actually like give my life to Christ until I was an adult. I would now. I would. I wouldn't say that I wasn't saved before. But there was a time in my life where I was questioning my my faith. Uh, that was around a time where I was 18, between the ages of 18 and 20, 
where I was in the phase of deconstruct, uh, yeah, deconstructing, uh, which that was, that was before the term was popular. Like today, that term is popular today, but before I didn't, th- th- there was no term for it, but that's what I was doing. I was deconstructing. I was actually evaluating my faith and actually asking it is what is, is the thing that I believe, is it true or is it not? Okay. Or what aspects about it is true and what aspects about it is not. Um, and that's, and that's, and, and that was, and that was the case that I, that I had, I had hit. Um, it was to the point where I was almost about to leave the faith, uh, Christianity. That's the faith that I'm talking about. Uh, I was about to leave the faith, but, God had reeled me back in through um, apologetics because there was a time where people were making me doubt, you know, the authenticity of the scriptures, uh, the the history of the scriptures, the reliability of the scriptures, of the historical uh, context behind the scriptures, and just having me doubt. If the Bible is even valid, if if it's even true, if it's even, you know, worth even holding on to, like this is supposed to be considered God's word. But a lot of people were hitting me with, no, this can't be God's word because it has this or it has this or it has this. But um, apologetics um, had reeled me back in to investigate the claims of Christ to investigate the claims in the Bible and just to make a long story short, um, God reeled me back in to his fold through apologetics. So, and then later on in my life, I came across, you know, studying theology and didn't even realize how important it was to have a good sound theology. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of people have misconceptions of what theology and what apologetics is, which is why I called it theologetics. I just put the two words together: theology, apologetics. Put it together, theologetics. Get it? Um, but with that with that being said, a lot of people have a misunderstanding of what theology is. A lot of people think that theology, um, just to make it brief, the uh, a lot of people think that theology is putting God in a box which that can be that's further from the truth Um, theology is not putting God in a box if you understand what theology is theology is the study of the nature of God or the study of God Uh, if you if you look at the word theology the word theo in the Greek it means God and ology is um, is the study of so Theology is the study of God or the study of the nature of God. So I just want to make sure y'all y'all understand what that means because it's not that people think that it's it's putting God in a box. It's not putting God in a box. Everybody is doing theology. I want to make sure you say that. Oh, I'm sorry. I want to make sure you say that. I want to make sure I say that because whatever your whatever your uh, your understanding about God, that's your theology. Like. Like it's no, it's no getting around it. It's no, you, you can't go above. You can't go further. You can't go beyond theology. Everybody is doing theology. 
No matter what no matter no matter what you believe, like listen, Christians ain't the only one doing theology. Muslims are doing theology. Uh Mormons are doing theology. Uh uh Buddhists do theology. Atheists um do theology. Uh <clears throat> Catholics do a theology. So it's it's so so it's not about it's it's not and, and I just want to make sure I wanna make sure y'all understand theology is the study of the nature of God and everybody has their own uh interpretation of God. But what we need to understand is it's not about if it's our interpretation of God, the 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 thing is is our interpretation of God true. So and and what is our basis to determine who God is? Um and my argument well, it was not really an argument, but uh, the purpose of theologetics is to show that you don't need to look no further than the Bible, than the word of God itself. And a lot of people have misunderstandings, mis, uh, misconceptions about the Bible, uh, about Jesus's relationship with the law, Jesus's relationship with the Old Testament. Jesus uh, uh, relationship with the scriptures people got a lot of misunderstandings about uh, what the Bible teach we have a lot of uh, church traditions a lot of denominational traditions a lot of uh, I'll say westernized view and what we end up doing is we end up putting all of these filters into reading the text and we don't even realize that we're doing that but I want to make sure that we are being very intentional and very careful of how we study the scriptures and when we're doing that we're actually forming our theology I want to make sure that we have a sound theology of who God is who Christ is of what is the purpose of life? All of these things. So with that being said, you know, this is just a little introduction to who I am slash the, the title of this message. So, um, so I, so I want to get into actually what I, uh, what, uh, the title of this podcast is. So this is like introduction slash the five lessons I've learned walking with Christ. Okay. So this is what I want to talk about on my first episode of Theologetics. And I hope y'all just stay with me with the journey. I really do, because we're going to deal with a lot of topics. Um, God has been uh, pouring on me uh, to talk about a lot of things and I've 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 done the proper study. I've made I made sure that I I I made sure that I was real well studied, well read, to make sure that when I talk about these things, I know what I'm talking about, and not just talking from emotion, not talking from feelings, not talking about from what I heard people say. But no, I want to I want to speak from. Not 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 only speak with the spirit, 
but also speak the truth because we're that's that's what every believer is called to do. We're called to walk in spirit and in truth. Okay, so so um, we're going to get into it. The five lessons I've learned, me personally, Greg Williams Jr. The five lessons I've learned walking with Jesus. All right, so we're going to get into it. So the first one, the first one, uh. Is the first well the first lesson I've learned walking with Jesus is um, how I view Christ affects my walk with Him. Now, what does that mean? Because a lot of people have their own version of Jesus. A lot of people have their interpretations. And they, a lot of people have a Jesus that fits their theology. A lot of people have Jesus, have a Jesus that makes them comfortable. But I want to challenge every single person, whether you, whether you believe in Jesus or not, I want to challenge every single person. Uh, when we want to know who Jesus is, we don't need to look no further than the New Testament. Why? Because the New Testament is written by the very disciples, with the exception of Paul and Luke, were written by the very disciples who walked with Jesus, who talked with him, who ate with him, who sat with him, who were, who had intimate conversations with him. Um, and and how I view Christ affects my walk with him. So uh so how I view Christ is this through the study of scripture and through the study of the New Testament, through the study of the gospels, um I came to the understanding that I view Jesus as is taught in scripture that he is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. Uh, he has been given authority um, and dominion over all of the earth, over every dominion, uh, over every realm, seen and unseen. He will come back and judge the living and the dead. Uh, he is the Alpha. He's the Omega. He is God incarnate. He is Yahweh incarnate in flesh. And how I view Jesus in that way through through the the lenses of the apostles, through the people who walked with him um, and were discipled under him. I don't I don't need to look I don't need to look to the Quran to find out who Jesus is because Muhammad was not there. I don't need to look to Joseph Smith who started the Mormons. Started the uh, the the, the uh, what's it called the Church of Latter Day Saints. I don't need to look to him to find out who Jesus is because he wasn't there. I don't need to look to Charles Chase Russell who started the Jehovah Witnesses uh, movement, the uh, the Watchtower movement, you know, the Kingdom Hall type of thing. I don't need to look to him because he wasn't there. But who was there? I'll tell you who was there: Matthew, Mark, John, Peter, James. And with, and I and I will also and I will also say Luke and Paul because Luke and Paul, uh, 
knew the original apostles of Jesus. They knew him. So, so I, I, I frame my Christology. And if you don't know what Christology is, Christology is the study of, you know, Christ, you know, Christ. Remember, remember, ology is the study of Christ. So, um, when I study Christ, I'm studying Christ through, uh, the lenses of the people who walk with him. I'm studying Christ, uh, his, his ministry, who he is, what was his purpose, all of that. And I, I, I look to Jesus with, with reverence. I look to Jesus with respect. I look to, to Jesus in awe of who he is. And what he came to do and the purpose that he, that, 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 and, and what he said that he would do, he said that he came to not only fulfill the law, but he said he also came to fulfill the prophets. That means that he came to fulfill something that was prophesied hundreds of years before he even came on the earth. And when he resurrected from the dead, it proved that he was everything that he said that he is. Um, and we're going to get it. And in, 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 in later episodes, we're going to get into evidence of the resurrection. We're going to get into uh, who Jesus is. Is he is, is he God? Is he not? Uh, is, was he just a prophet? Was he just a good teacher? You know, whatever the case may be. So that's that's number one. Like how I view Christ affects my walk with him. So. Um, however I view Christ If I don't view Christ as authoritative Then I'm not going to treat him I'm not going to listen to his teachings As authoritative So that actually like Moves into my second point and My second point is this As a believer This is my second lesson I've learned uh, Walking with Jesus As a believer I must view his life And teachings as authoritative And not optional Um, y'all, we have a lot of believers today. And I wouldn't and I wouldn't even just I wouldn't even just say people in the world, but just believers today who view Jesus's teachings as optional and not authoritative and not commands to follow. I need y'all to understand something. Jesus is king. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. If Jesus is a king, then what does that mean? That means that means he he has laws. A good king gives out laws. And if we're called to this kingdom, that 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 he said that for everyone who believes in him, you know, of course, will not perish but have eternal life. But also called into the kingdom of God, the the right now but not yet. Then, I'm. As a as a believer, as a follower, as a person who has a personal relationship with Christ, if I'm if if I say that <laughs> I'm a believer, I'm a follower, what he teaches, I have to like, like his words need to hold weight in my life. And that's what I want and, and, and I, I never want Christ's teachings to never have weight in my life. Like I, I love that Jesus challenges my flesh 
because it needs to be challenged. He challenged everything that your flesh, uh, uh, what, what he, he, he teaches what against your flesh. He said, if somebody slaps you in the face, he said, turn the other cheek. He said, so if, if someone forces you to do one mile, do two, you know, like he, like he, he's, he's teaching people that goes contrary to what we feel that goes against our nature, our teaching against our sinful nature and looking at Jesus's words as authoritative. That means that I, it, it, it means that his words hold weight. And I have, I, I have to obey him. It don't matter if I, I don't, it don't matter if I don't, if I don't agree with what he teaches. But if I say that he's Lord over my life, that means his word, his words are authoritative. That means he dictates how I live. Like he has authority over me. Like Paul, Paul said it like this. He said, you were bought with a price. And that price was through his his blood being shed on that cross. And since you have been bought with a price, when you gave your life to Christ, that means that he bought you back with his blood from Satan. He bought you back. You are now ownership of Christ. Christ now owns you. So since now Christ owns you, his words need to be authoritative in your life. And I'm sorry, there's no commandment from Christ that is that is going to be a, a detriment to human flourishing. As a matter of fact, God gets his very commands from the Old Testament. Because Jesus ain't making nothing up. And Jesus ain't saying nothing new. He's literally getting it all from the Torah. Okay? He's either he's either uh, dealing with people's misinterpretation, their misapplication, or their incorrect teaching of the Old Testament. But he's not teaching against it. When they ask, when they ask Jesus, um, I'm gonna make a small uh, uh, a small uh, tangent a little bit. But when they ask Jesus, uh, what's the greatest commands uh, in the in the law? He says. He quoted Deuteronomy 6, 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then, he's, and then he quoted Leviticus 19, 18. He says the second one is equal to that. He says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Y'all, that, that, that came from the law. That came from the Torah. Okay. To, and listen, and I'm, and I'm going to deal with a lot of those... Uh, those, those, those a lot of the claims that Jesus taught against the scriptures, Jesus taught against the Torah, Jesus taught against the Old Testament. Listen, we I, we are going to debunk all of that because studying Jesus with a with a real heart with with not I'm, excuse me not with a real heart but with a with a with a genuine wanting to understand who Jesus is and not trying to make Jesus say what you want him to say and not be disingenuous and be actually and actually be honest about what you're reading in the text and stop trying to make Jesus say um what fits 
what you what you want to teach. Uh-uh. That's not that that's not that's not cool. So yeah, so so um so yes. His 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 words need to hold weight. His words need to hold authority in your life. Um and not optional. Like I I I this is not a cherry pick. And we need and also we need to understand Jesus's words and Jesus's commands in the context of his day, not the context of our day, but the context of his day. Okay, we're not going to read into the text with our Western eyes. We're not going to read into the text with our 21st century modern lenses. No, we're going to we're going to read the text in with the lenses of Jesus's day. That's how we're that's how we're going to read. And guess what? That's how you need to read every text from the Bible to read the Bible in the lenses of the biblical authors. Okay. And that's going to be another, there's going to be another future episode that we're going to deal with how to read the Bible. Okay. So that's number two. Number three, uh, salvation is not earned, but received through the finished works of Jesus. That's number three. Salvation is, is not earned, but received through the finished works of Jesus. Now I know this is a, a, a obvious, a obvious one to a lot of, to a lot of believers, but I don't ever want to assume that everybody gets that, because a lot of religions teach that in order to get salvation, you gotta work for God, you gotta keep working for God, and hopefully, you'll. Get salvation. Hopefully, God will see your good works. Excuse me, and see that that your works are good enough, and then you'll get salvation. But can I tell you what the Bible teaches, though? Can I tell you what Jesus teaches, though? Can I tell you what, what literally what the whole Bible teaches is that you are not justified by works; you're justified by faith in God. And on this side of the cross, you are only justified. By faith in Jesus Christ Grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone It is not Jesus plus It is not Jesus and It is Jesus alone That is how you're saved Your faith in Christ alone Is how you're saved If you say that You you, you believe in Jesus But I also need to Guess what, you've abandoned the gospel As a matter of fact I say it in, in, in the way of Paul's words You've deviated from the gospel to say that you need to do something in order for salvation to work. And I'm going to need everybody to listen to me right now. You don't add nothing. And when I say nothing, you add nothing to your salvation. You, you add nothing to the salvation that you have with your works. Salvation is literally the work of God alone. Alone. You don't you, you don't work for salvation. You don't earn salvation. Paul said it like this. He says, We don't we don't boast about salvation as if we earned it, as if we worked for it, so that we can boast. No. We we boast in Christ. Okay? Because I'm going to tell you this right now. Nobody is going to be justified by works of the law. That's also a, the Apostle Paul. 
Nobody's going to be justified by works of the law. It's only by faith in Jesus. Okay. Now we're going to get into um, we're going to get into a lot of things because because we're going to deal with well, what was Jesus's uh, uh, relationship with the law? What was Paul's uh, relationship with the law? What was because well, because with Jesus and Paul, when you look at their two ministries, it, it sounds like they were dealing with two different ministries. But we're actually going to see that Jesus's ministry and Paul's ministry they both complement each other. Like Jesus, like Jesus is not saying something different from Paul. Paul is not saying something different from Jesus. But they're actually uh, they they complement each other. And we're gonna get into all that. But just so you know that salvation is literally by the work of God alone. Okay, it started it started with God alone when God put Abraham to sleep, and God took the animal. And cut the animal in half and walk through it. He said, if I break my promise to Abraham that I and what was that promise that he was going to bless that, that, that he was going to use Abraham's seed to bless the nations. He said that if I break my promise, if I break my covenant, he says, let me end up like this animal that's that's dead and cut up. He said, let me end up like this animal. God don't break his promises. God don't break his promises and God don't break his covenants with people. Okay. And then you have Jesus coming on the scene and uh, being born of a virgin, Virgin Mary, miraculous conception, Mary's womb being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and what needs to be understood was Joseph was commanded by the angel Gabriel to not have sex with Mary until Mary gave birth just so people would know that it is literally the work of God that salvation is the work of God and when Christ was on that cross all of that was God when he was bearing the sins of the world on his shoulders, it was the work of God. When he resurrected from the dead, it was the work of God. And I'm sorry, none of your works, none of my works adds to any of that salvation. All you got to do is put your faith in the one who died for you in the one who resurrected from the dead and no you cannot and no you cannot deny the resurrection and still be saved because how you going how you, how you, how how is a dead man going to offer you eternal life that's like trying to put that's that's like trying to put uh your uh your charger in a dead socket it has no power a dead messiah has no power but a risen messiah does have power that's why Paul said, if you if you deny the resurrection, he said, first of all, he says, if the if the resurrection never happened, then your faith is dead. Your faith is in vain and you're still in your sins. So you cannot deny the resurrection and still be a Christian. If you deny the resurrection, you've abandoned the faith. That's an essential part of the Christian faith. Essential. 
You cannot deny it. You either believe it or you don't. Period. That's a non-negotiable. And also, and that is also the work of uh, a work of Christ. Work of God alone. So that's that was number three. Number four. Grace started in the Old Testament, not the New Testament. A lot of people don't even know that. A lot of people have a misunderstanding that grace started in the New Testament. And when I say that, that is further from the truth. Can 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 I can I can I tell y'all where grace started in the Bible in in the biblical story? Can I show you? Can I actually tell you? And you can actually look this up for yourself. Can I show you in the Bible where grace started? I'll I tell you. It started in Genesis. Started in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3. When, 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 when Adam and Eve had sinned and ate from the forbid, ate from the tree that God told them not to eat from. And they allowed the serpent, they allowed Satan in the form of a serpent to, uh, 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 to, to cause them to eat from the tree and disobey God. Cause God said the day that you eat from this, you will surely die. Now they did die. They died spiritually, but they did not die. Um, uh, physically. As a matter of fact, if you look at, if you look at it, how time is with God, um, the Bible says that a thousand years is one day and one day is a thousand years to God. And if you actually look at how long Adam lived, it said that he lived to be 900 something. I forgot what, how long he lived to be 900 something years old. So to God, he still only lived one day. He, he, he only lived one day, but if you like, and, and that, now that's just one side of it. But if you want to actually look at it, they did not die that very day. They died spiritually, but they did not die physically that very day. If you want to, if you want to look at it at with a 24 hour day. Okay. So what did God do? He showed them grace. He could have just killed both of them and started over. That's what he could have did. But what did God do? He showed grace. He ended up getting a animal. And and he kills it, and he sacrifices it, uh, sacrifices it, and uses the skin of the dead animal to cover them. While he's kicking them out of the garden, because he has every right to, is his garden. He has every right to. But instead of killing them, he shows grace, and he covers them. That's where that's where grace started. Grace continues throughout the Old Testament when he frees the Israelites from uh, their slavery in Egypt. What did the Israelite do to earn God's uh, freedom clause? Nothing. But one one thing that God did do, he remembered his promise to Abraham. He, he did remember that the promise that he made to Abraham that through his seed that all the nations will be blessed so when the Israel, when the Israelites when they were in 
that uh, when they were in Egypt for 430 years, what does he do? He calls Moses, who was 80 years old at the time, to go and free to to tell to tell Pharaoh to let my people go to put and send plagues to Egypt, who was who was uh, treating uh, God's people inhumane and treating his children as if they were not human and dumbing down and degrading their value to how many bricks they can make for Pharaoh. That's what Pharaoh had turned their value into. How many bricks can you make for, uh, for the lowercase God? Because Pharaoh, if you look, if, if you look at how people, um, looked at Egypt during that time, they looked at Pharaoh as if he, as, as if he was God. So, but what does God do? He shows grace to, to Israel and he frees them. Can I keep going? Cause, cause I can, I can go to David. I can go to David when, when David did what he did with uh, Bathsheba, when he killed Bathsheba's husband so that he can cover up that he had got Bathsheba pregnant and then, uh, so, so that he could have Bathsheba, God could have just ended David's life right there. But what does he do? He shows grace. He sends Nathan, the prophet Nathan to David. And what does David do? He repents. Actually showing that he was, he was a man after God's own heart. So I, I can keep going. I can show throughout the entire old Testament where the grace at. I can show throughout the entire Old Testament. The whole sacrificial system was an act of grace. Because sin leads to death. Well, instead of them dying, they had to go get an animal. And let that animal die in their place. That was grace. That was mercy. And and that and that's just and that's just one thing. But yes, grace did not start in the New Testament. Now, uh, as the as the time went on within Old Testament, uh, the Jews or the Israelites have whatever you want to call them, they started losing that grace. And that's where Jesus comes in. When you actually follow the biblical story from from the Old Testament into the New Testament, you will see that Jesus remembered the assignment that was put on him and all he's doing is making the Jews remember and fulfill the mandate what what was given to them in the Old Testament that they had abandoned and we're going to get into all that too but yes so that's number four so once again I'm going to repeat it so grace started in the Old Testament not the New Testament okay and the fifth one and this is one of the most important ones to me. Fifth lesson I learned walking with Jesus. This is a relationship. He said, if you love me, keep my commands. Okay. If you love me, keep my commands. Jesus have already shown me. And shown us how much he loves us. 
by what he did on that cross. He showed us how he he showed us how much he loves us. So when Christ asks me and he shows me and he tells me, "Okay, I've shown you how much I love you, but in return, this is how you show you love me." And how you show you love me is obey what I say. The, 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 what, what, what I tell you to do, when, when I say to forgive, when I say to show mercy, when I say don't show uh, partiality, when I say don't have hatred in your heart, when I say don't commit adultery, meaning don't lust after, uh, at, at, uh, uh, don't, don't lust with your eyes. Uh, because you have committed adultery if you lust um and all and, and all all the commandments that, that that Christ gives he says if you obey me obey my commands and so this is a relationship this is not a this is not a toxic relationship this is this is reciprocal Christ showed me how much he loves me so in return, he he told me how 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 he wants to be loved, so I'm going to actually do his love language because Jesus has a love language. <laughs> before before the term love language was even a thing, Jesus had a love language, and guess what his love language was? Obey what I say. That's my love language. You want to say you love me? Obey what I say. You know you know the other love language he says he says. Because he told Peter, he says, you love me, right? Uh, uh, when he was trying to uh, uh, redeem Peter, when, you know, when Peter had denied Jesus three times, and he had asked him three times, do you love me? Well, guess what? He says, if you love me, feed my sheep. So also, he says, if you love me, have a relationship with my bride, meaning the church. So, you, yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't divide, you can't divide Christ. And the church, and think you are gonna have a relationship with with Christ? That ain't gonna happen. You ain't, ain't no ain't no husband on the planet with a backbone is going to let you be friends with them, but you rejecting a wife. Uh uh-uh, uh, that ain't happening. Like if you are gonna be friends with the husband, you are gonna be friends with the wife too. That ju- that that just come with it. You ain't gonna just be friends with 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 with, with the groom. <laughs> And not have a relationship with the groom's bride. Well, the church is called the bride of Christ. If you, if you talking about you want to be buddy buddy with Jesus, but you saying nah, but I can't stand the church. I don't like the church. You talking all down to Jesus's bride. Hey, that ain't no. He 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 not he, he's not having it. Jesus identifies with his bride. He's one with his bride. When Paul was persecuting the church, and then when Paul was on the road to Damascus, and and Jesus had knocked him off of off of his off the donkey while he was on the road to Damascus, he was persecuting the church. And what did Jesus say to Paul? He says, "Why are you persecuting me? Persecuting you? I ain't persecuting. Paul was doing what he was doing to 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 the church. I wasn't." persecuting Jesus no but when you persecute the church you are persecuting Jesus yes you are so um and I and I, and I want to actually like 
uh, quote a, a couple of scriptures real quick. So, uh, the scripture that I quoted, um, it was John 14, 15, uh, and this is in a CSB. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Uh, and that's, and that's John 14, 15. And also, this is first John chapter five. Um, and we're going to start at verse one. It says, and, and also this is in the CSB as well. And if you don't know what CSB is, it stands for Christian standard Bible. So it says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the father also loves the one born of him. This is how we know that we love God's children when we love God and obey his commands for this is what love for God is to keep his commands and his commands are not a burden because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. And I like what John said right here in his epistle. He says that, that, that God's commands is not a burden. It's not a burden. Actually, when you walk in the commandments of Christ, you're actually walking in freedom. And the commandments of Christ are actually in line with the Old Testament. And when you actually be uh, genuine about what the Old Testament, how how the Israelites viewed the Old Testament, uh, when we look at King David, when we look at um, uh, Isaiah, when we look at uh, Moses, when we look at Ezekiel, they all marvel at God's law. They're all marvel at the Torah. They're saying, like, I love how King David says it in the Psalms. He says that God's law is like honey; it is sweet, uh, to it, and and it and it nourishes my soul. Like he delighted in God's word. He delighted in God's law. He he had. He, he had the desire to obey it because he understood that that when he was outside of the boundaries of God, what ended up happening? He ended up doing what he ended up doing with Bathsheba. And I'm going to say this last thing and I'm going to go because I'm done with my five points. Um, The church today uh, or a lot of churches today, I wouldn't say the, the church, but I'll say a lot of churches today are teaching and moving away into lawlessness. And this is one of the things that God wanted to like, like put on my heart. Like he literally put on my heart to like tell people like, Hey, listen, y'all are moving from my, y'all moving from my law and y'all are actually moving into lawlessness. And if you want to know what God's people is going to look like being lawless, I want to turn you to the book of Judges. If you want to know what, 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 what lawlessness looks like, read the book of Gen uh, not Genesis, read the book of Judges. Because what is the, what is the dominant theme in the book of Judges? People were doing right in their own eyes. They they were doing what they thought what was right in their own eyes. They thought 
but because they had forgot about God's law. They had forgot about what God had done for them and what God had did for their ancestors. Cause this is, cause after, cause this is right after Joshua. So Joshua, he dies. He's so, so after Moses, it was Joshua, um, leading the Israelites. And then after Joshua died, you know, they, they didn't have a leader. So they, so as years went on, they had forgot about what God had done for them. They had forgot about God's law. So what they ended up doing, and we read, uh, uh, judges chapter two, it says that these were people who did not know the Lord. And when you don't know the Lord, you disregard his law because you don't know the Lord. And when you don't know the Lord, people start doing what is right in their own eyes. And I recommend you read the book of Judges. And I want you to see the result of people, of, of, of even, even God's own people, God's chosen people that he had chosen, who, had, who he had called to himself. They even abandoned God's law. And I want you to see that even God's people who did not abide in his word, I want you to, I want you to read it and I want you to take in how lawless they were and, and the fruit of lawlessness. And I promise you, you don't want that smoke. You don't want the smoke of lawlessness. You don't want the smoke of people who don't know the Lord. You don't want that smoke of people who just completely abandon God's law and just start doing what is right in their own eyes. Cause can I, can, and can I be real with you right now? We're seeing that right now in our culture. Our country in, in, in the United States of America, we are becoming more lawless. And when we have become more lawless, look at what's going on. We don't even consider our children sacred anymore. Parents are getting their children taken away from them because they they don't they're not a, they're not bending down to letting their children transition into another gender. And if, and if they don't, and if they don't, uh, conform to that, they're getting their child taken away from them. That's what's happening. That, that, that is what, that is, that is what happens when we move away from God's law. When we move away from his commandments, God's commandments is not a burden. It's freedom. And we're going to expound on that. We're going to actually expound what is God's law? What what did Jesus teach about it? Did he teach against it? Or was he a Torah teacher? We're going to get into all of that. So that is the end of episode one. Uh, introduction. The five lessons I've learned. Walking with Christ. Um. We are, we are on a, a journey. We are most definitely going to be on a journey. And I hope and I pray that you stay with me. I hope you give me a lot of grace. I hope that you listen to me with a sincere heart. Um, even if you disagree with me, I, I, I want you to hear what I'm saying. 
and actually listen to what I'm saying. And I'm not just talking out of the side of out of the side of my mouth. I'm talking from study. Like I, I, I want I, I do what the scripture says to study to show yourself approved. And when I'm talking about these things, I ain't talking out of the side of my mouth. I'm very I'm very uh, careful with that. I want to make sure when I'm talking about something, I know what I'm talking about. Okay. I love each and every one of y'all. Uh, whether you're a believer or unbeliever, I want you to know that I love you. And I only speak from love. That's all, that, that, that's, that's the only, that's, I'm only speaking from love. Okay. Because one of the things what love is, Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but love rejoices in the truth. And since I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not going to tell you things that's going to that's going to uh, be uh, what Paul said. It is going to be uh, a thing that tickles your ear. I'm not going to do that. I, with the things that I'm going to be saying in this podcast is going to provoke you. Is going to provoke you. Is it pro- a lot of things is probably going to make you mad. So it's going to make the world mad. It's going to make culture mad. It's probably going to make a lot of people who call themselves Christians mad. But I'm telling you right now, this is what Jesus did. He did a lot of. He said a lot of things to provoke people. But guess what? It provoked them to get to know uh, to get to know who who God is. And a lot of us have abandoned. God and we don't even know it and I want to I want us I, I want us to to get back to um I want I want us to get back to him I don't I don't want the body of Christ to end up like like judges chapter 2 the a people who do not know the Lord that's not that's not what that's not what I want and I I, I know and I and I promise you that is not what you want either. You do not want a a, a a a nation that is just completely godless and is completely uh, lawless. So, I love y'all so much. Thank y'all for tuning in to the first episode, the introduction uh, of this podcast. Thank you for. Um, for 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 listening to me this is theologetics my name is greg williams jr i hope you stay on the journey with me because we're gonna get we're gonna get into a lot of topics and i hope that you enjoyed this one i love y'all peace